some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. All right, what's going on? Episode three, it's Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. That's us along with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard, and we're rocking and rolling right after the A's-Giants series, which was an interesting one. They split it, not a lot of runs, as you might expect, Joe. But, man, it's it, you know, I'm almost disappointed in a way that the Giants and the A's get together, and maybe it was too early in the season for there to be kind of a buildup and a buzz mm-hmm. to it just being A's and Giants. Um, and, and obviously, school is still very much in, and it was the middle of the week and all that. The attendance figures were fine. They weren't off the map, but they were both north of 30,000. But because of what's going on with the A's, it seemed like that's all anybody wanted to talk about in this one. Well, yeah, and then you have the team president for the Oakland A's basically tweeting nonsense all throughout the game. If you're not on Twitter, he's basically doing the eye emoji as they're showing all these empty seats at the beginning of the game. And then by the time somebody hits a home run in the game, the camera pans to the stands and the bleachers are completely packed. So it, it it's sad that the team president tried to hijack the night. And it is kind of sad. And I'm with you, Mark. Why are we having this game in the middle of the week when all of the Bay Area is still in school right now? Like it's just bad planning and bad business by the powers that be. I don't know how hard it is to set the schedules, but I'm a little disappointed in it being, you know, weekday in the middle of April. I hear you, and but I just I wish that a, a series like this was schedule proof. And and here's yeah. what I mean by that. Good point. I, I think right now A's fans are so deflated by what their management and their ownership has done that it it really has signaled the beginning of the end of this rivalry. Um, because I, I've been to A's Giants games at Oracle Park the last two, three years. And I mentioned earlier uh, on our last episode that last year it was a special night because it was the first mm-hmm. full capacity game since COVID started. Man, the energy in the building was unmatched because at that time, A's fans, uh, you know, they showed up and they brought the energy and the confidence and the swagger and everybody was in each other's ear and as it turned out, you know, both obviously the Giants were the best team in baseball. The A's were solid, but it was early enough in the year where everybody kind of had their groove. And so they wanted to get in each other, which yeah. is what a rivalry is all about. I, I, I mean, I know so many A's fans, they're just deflated. They're embarrassed. They don't know what to do with this. And so how can you have a, a rivalry is based on swag and, and, you know, getting in your friends and barking yeah. at each other and having fun. Uh, A's fans have none of that right now. And I get it. I get why. Don't you think uh, I'm I'm a Giants fan that almost looks at the fans for the A's in pity? Like, that's how I feel for them. I feel tremendous empathy. And part of what makes the rivalry great for the Giants and Dodgers, clearly the NorCal SoCal thing. That's a big part. But that one side can win or the other side can win. And you feel like they're on equal footing. I don't feel like the A's and Giants are on equal financial footing. And you see them just rip the carpet out from under, underneath the fans by trading away all those players. How can I talk smack to some A's fans right. when I almost feel bad for them, Mark? Don't you? Yeah, you feel like Billy Madison playing dodgeball with kindergartners, <laughs> yes. man. It's like, yes. and, and, and I know, you know, if, if any A's fans, 
are, are, are listening to this right now, I know how it gets processed. It's really kind of odd, to be honest with you. Uh, they're going to take it as an attack. And, and it's really not. It, it's, it's not making fun of. It is. It is feeling empathy. Um, exactly. I, I wish there was oversight in baseball um, at the ownership level. And I believe if anything was missed in this CBA – that, that where we had to lose a, a week and a half of the season and play a random one game series in Milwaukee, all of us fans uh, sort of lose that. If there's anything that was really missed in this CBA, it was the fact that there's no salary floor. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they came out of there and still allowed certain teams, whether it's, and I don't have the list in front of me, A's, Pirates, Marlins, whatever. The fact that you're still allowed to bounce around at 30 million bucks when other teams are spending 200 is just stupid. It it, yeah. it 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 absolutely it's anti-competition. It's anti-sport, and uh, and owners should not be allowed to do it. No, and and some of the names that they had over there, Giants fans were envious. Chapman, Olsen, oh, I mean, Manaya. Like, there's some ball players over there that you're like, wow, I would love for us to have a guy like that. And then to see them all get traded again. Not, not this isn't like the one time cycle. It's happened five or six times in 15 years. And it's just like I look over there and I'm just shaking my head. And I'm like, it feels like the Golden State Warriors of years past, you know? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. The other element, and I'm just curious to you. Like, growing up, I felt like the A's were where the Giants are at, and the Giants were where the A's were at in terms of the financial difference between the two teams, and it's been flipped on its head, and being a Giants fan that always looked at the A's with envy, I, I look over at the A's now, and I'm like, they've got one foot out the door. How can I rip these guys? Well, not only that, don't you don't you sit there and think, and I, I do, when you see this matchup, huh. I, I wonder what it's like to sit down next to Farhan Zaidi and watch it. Uh, because he's sitting there kind of playing the same game that he's always played, except for add-in resources. Yeah. And he hasn't even used all of them yet, as we no. know. We know that he hasn't spent the money that will be greenlit. We know that he, uh, you know, whether they're saving it for, for homegrown talent, whether they're saving it for the trade deadline, uh, whether they're just realizing that they don't have to use it uh, because you can grab $6 million and get the production that Jock Peterson has given this team what have you, I got to think he just sits back and I know he's still got a lot of friends in the A's organization. I got to think he looks at it and, and it's just like, wow, wow. I, you know, like I, 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 a, I can't believe that it's fallen uh, to this and B thank goodness, you know, like, thank goodness. That's how I would feel if I were him, you know, thank goodness he's now in a spot where his brain can be put to good use and it can be backed by actual resources uh, to, to turn into what it's turned into. Look at the record the last year plus. I know. And, and then I, I just look at the A's and they've dismantled that brand. I mean, that brand, if you love baseball, like you and I love baseball, yep. you cannot, you can't deny the rich history of the Oakland A's. And, and just, they're one of the winningest franchises with marquee marketable players that are just pop, whether it's Ricky, Mark McGuire, Tejada, Giambi, go right down the list. And they just have none of that flair anymore. And just as a fan of baseball, I'm like, wow, this is so sad. They're history should be honored and celebrated instead it's it's a laughing stock yeah, it's a man. joke yeah although I, I will say this some interesting baseball little uh i think points for me come out of that series yeah, yeah it's a split but the giants gave up three runs and i know the a's lineup's not putting fear in anybody mm -mm. this year because of everything you just detailed but the giants gave up three runs one time 
Carlos Rodon goes out there, shoves again. Oh, my goodness. So four starts in. He is now ahead of Tim Lincecum and Christy Mathewson with regard to the number of strikeouts for his first four performances as a Giant. But then let's talk about the bullpen for a second. Mm. Uh, this is yet another bullpen game. They did it in Milwaukee Monday. Mm -hmm. Come right back, do it again on Wednesday against the A's. And for me, the silver lining in the one nothing loss, Jacob Junis does it again. Um, and, and, and if their bullpen is going to pitch like this, I, I'm telling you, I mean, they are going to win a ton of baseball games. So the hitting wasn't there uh, in, in the game on Wednesday night. But I've always looked at a bullpen like an offensive line. It's kind of the brain center of a team. It's I never like going to get all the tension. It doesn't have the pop. You don't talk about it. But if you have a good one, your team is good, period. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like a baseline. And, and, and my God, their, their bullpen was great last year. It's better this year. It, it is. And, and, you know, going with the captain theme the, from Brandon Belt, it's all hands on deck. Like, that's what it is. On any given night, he can go to any different arm, and those guys are coming in and contributing. Latal, Leon, Alvarez, remember him? He's making appearances. Garcia's coming out of the bullpen. Hey, we got Jake McGee one day, Tyler Rogers the next. Maybe we go Doval. Like, every one of these guys. And now this guy, Junis, add Junis into the mix? Yeah. Like, where are they finding these guys? It's not just spin rate. It's not just throwing as hard as you possibly can. They have a variety of arm angles with a variety of pitches and throwing from different arm angles. It's I'm blown away at the staff that they've built. It's so comprehensive and unique. Well, Junis has a similar story to what happened with Kevin Gosman. For those of you who, who have read about the story or heard about it, that they approached Gosman when he was a free agent. And, and, and they basically challenged him. And you think about free agency, you think about teams trying to woo guys, mm. you know, like, look, you can live here and, you know, we'll give you free hot dogs. I mean, like they do all this stuff, right? Remember they filled Chris Bryant's hotel room with all this, <laughs> th th this gear for his kid and everything. So you think about trying to woo. What the Giants have done a couple of times is challenge guys. Yeah. And they're like, so here's the deal. Um, you throw your split finger 16% of the time. And, and, and the guy will go, yeah. And then they'll go, why? And, and it's almost like you have to pass a test. And they're like, we think if you throw this 48% of the time, this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, Gosman's now got a $100 million contract in Toronto. And if you think that that isn't seen around the league, you're crazy because pitchers are calling their agents and say, get me to San Francisco. Because it's a bank. It yeah. is a bank. You send me there, they're going to fix me, and I'm going to make a big old pile of cash. And it's happened to a bunch of people, Pomeranz, Smiley, Gosman. Yeah. Jacob Junis had a changeup that he was barely using. And the Giants pulled him in and said, this is your deal. Now, it's only been two outings, <laughs> but hey. it's a bunch of shutout outings. Yes. And the guy looks so steady Eddie. And so keep an eye on that one. Because it might be yet another Kevin Gosman. I don't know if he's ever going to be in the rotation. He might. But it, it, it may be another situation where the Giants have the data on a guy to mm -hmm. turn him into a better version of himself. 
no, it's, it's a great point. I mean, look look at what they've done with Logan Webb internally. I mean, you saw him when he first came up and how they've worked with him. I'm so impressed with the Rodon signing. I mean, this guy, yeah, I mean, every time he pitches, he's box office. It's it's the theatrics. It's the demeanor on the mound and, and how he's so demonstrative. And then just the stuff, the raw stuff. The fastball is a heater. I mean, 98-99 when he needs it. And then that curveball, I mean – that curveball, Barry Zito's curveball, I thought was one of the more devastating curveballs I've ever seen. Had the big loop to it. This guy's is just 12 to 6 nasty. He could get it in for a strike or drop it off into the dirt. I mean, Mark, he's outstanding. Like, outstanding. Well, and you're burying the lead, man. He's going out there with no undershirt. Like, I mean, he's going out there <laughs> and he's, you know, he's, he's giving us a little bit. He's giving us some collarbone. I mean, he's got, he's got an attitude. I love. I mean that in a good way. Yes. In a good way. However, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. Because Rodon strikes so many people out, it also means his pitch count goes up. Absolutely. You're not going to get seven, eight, nine innings out of this guy most of the time. You're going to get a lot of fives and a lot of sixes Mm. from Rodon. And so he's going to have to be backed up by that bullpen. And that, that to me is the favorite thing right now. These guys finding their roles. Rogers looks great again. Mm-hmm. McGee this week, uptick on the miles per hour on mm-hmm. the fastball. Mm-hmm. That's good. Doval had a quiet week, even though he scares you a little bit. Joe, this bullpen to me is kind of like a salad. And here's yeah. what I mean by that. When I eat a meal, I feel like I can get a little loose on some things on my plate as long as I have a salad with it, right? I so like I could have dessert. I can eat French fries. Just mix in a salad with it and it offsets it, and you're yeah. at ground zero, and you're doing okay. And by the way, I saw that guy on Twitter this week that's like, Joe, you're looking skinny. So I can, <laughs> tell, I can tell you've been eating your salads too. <laughs> Same thing with the bullpen. Do you have a couple warts? Yes. Are you going to have some nights where you only score two runs? Are you going to have some stars that only do the five and dive? It's okay. We got a salad behind you, man. You're going to mm-hmm. eat the salad, and you, at the end of the game, you're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, the pitching is what's going to carry this team. And also, quietly, the defense has been really good. Whether it's Vossler at third base, Wilmer making plays at third base. They got a bunch of randoms. I mean, you have Luis Gonzalez playing center. I didn't even know he was a center fielder when he's out there. He's making plays. Slater making plays. Like, this team defensively is very strong, and I think that complements the pitching that they have right now because the ball is going to be put in play. I mean, that's, that's another thing. Well, and it's interesting, and we can get into this a little bit, too, with regard to some of the offensive numbers, things that we've figured out, uh, even in just this opening 19-game mm. stretch. Um, they've got 21 home runs. It feels like the home runs are way down. Yeah. But, but catch this. There are only five home runs off of their pace at this time last year, number one. Okay. Number two, they lead the National League in home runs. Does that blow you away? It really does. It absolutely does. Especially, Mark, when you when you look at it this way. Craw, you know, he's been kind of down, even though the batting yeah. average is good. He's not jumping into the ball. Belt's kind of had a, you know, a down week or so. Ruff has been MIA. Six for his last 57, totally. 56 right now. Like, it's not good. Bart batting in the 150s, not great right now. Like, you could make an argument. Yastrzemski been out for a couple of days because of the COVID. You could make an argument. They're not even close to playing at what they should be playing at right now. Even if you account for regression, they're way below that, and yet they're still at the top of all these offensive categories. Well, we're going to get into some regression right now and go into some of those individuals, especially with the injury update on Jock Peterson. Uh, So all of that here 
as we continue. Just remember, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you are subscribed to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. All right, very interesting article circulating right now on 538. Uh, Obviously, that's all the numbers, the analytics, and it's all about the idea of regression, which is uh, a word that has almost become a trigger point for me because we've been hearing it uh, for for a long time now. We've been hearing about it last year. Oh, they're going to regress when they when they get into the second half of the year, and then that never happened. And now we're going to hear it this year. 107 wins. Obviously, there's going to be some regression, and we even sort of feel that way about certain individuals. The funny thing is, is you look at the article, you just mentioned a bunch of the names. Darren Ruff, regression. Brandon Crawford, regression. Brandon Belt, regression. Record, not regression. Like 13 <laughs> and 6. Yes. So again, I mean, like, I don't know outside of Jock Peterson, who's now hurt, and more on that in a second. But outside of that, I don't know who, what offensive player is is impressing you yet. Only two teams have scored more runs than them, yeah. and they're 13 and 6. Well, I mean, just just look at second base as an example. Last year, it was kind of duct tape, you know? I mean, like, Donovan Solano fell off the map. The 60-game season was spectacular, but he wasn't the same player. I mean, I think we all can agree. Uh, Estrada's been really good. Right around 250, good I would say solid to above average defense. Um, and then I look at third base, no Longoria yet. Have they really missed a beat offensively? Feels like Wilmer's filling in just fine. And when he's not playing, Vossler's giving them contributions. Like he's not a giant hole there. The other night, Slater and all the pinch hitting home runs that they had last year steps up in a pinch hit situation, hits a two run home run right down the line or three run home run right down the line. So it's little contributions around the diamond that are offsetting maybe a down year thus far from rough or a slightly down week or so from Brandon Bell. I think they've done a really good job with the other guys, the totality of the roster offsetting some of these down seasons early on. And honestly, if you watch some of these at bats, Darren Ruff has been unfortunate. As much as it's been bad, he's hit a couple of very hard balls right at someone. So it's more nuanced than just the raw data. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. You just said the key word, or I guess this is two words, or maybe it's hyphenated. I don't know. You tell me, is that one word or two? Pinch hitting. Um, because oh, I, I want to I want to talk about pinch hitting. This yeah. will fascinate people because uh remember last year they set the record mm-hmm. for pinch hit home runs. Uh this year, positions by war for the Giants. This is their ranking. It will not surprise you that in pitching. They are number one overall in Major League Baseball. Starting incredible. pitching, they are first. Bullpen, they are second. That's incredible. Pop around the diamond and listen to some of these rankings. They're not good. Yeah. Catcher, 17th. Mm. First base, 13th. Mm. Second base, 10th. Third base, okay. 20th. Shortstop, mm. 23rd. He's Left field, man. 18th. Center field, 23rd. Right field is their only plus spot where they're seventh. DH. 23rd ready mm. pinch hitting give it to me third incredible this is this is incredible such a, it's such a key to the giants success they do it so well and it's so underrated something i don't think anybody's ever even thought about who on earth has ever been like you know what i like about the giants this year <laughs> the way they're gonna pinch hit like no one's ever thought of that and especially now with no pitcher yeah you have to be creative Mm -hmm. and thoughtful 
with when and where you're going to pinch hit. It takes unselfishness mm-hmm. from your players. Jock Peterson, six home runs, and he can be like, yeah, you want to put Slater in for me? See you later. I'm going to smile and go sit down. And they, they are so good at knowing the right time to pull the trigger, to put someone in and get production out of it. What that means is late game production. It's why yeah. you see so many 1-1 and 2-2 games go their way in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. Yeah, no, it's a really astute point. I I did not know that their pinch hitting was that prolific. I mean, that's pretty incredible. The other thing is I feel like whenever they pinch hit with one of these guys in a specific spot, they read, okay, this pitcher's coming up. We're going to go to the right here. Then that guy, after getting a big hit, goes out and makes a great play like Slater's grab the other night. You know, it's kind of funny how that works. It's like the momentum carries over to the defensive side of it. Um, I mean, I referenced Vosser, what, four times? He's made three or four ridiculous plays at third base defensively, and he's been okay at the play uh even Kirk Casale he's not hitting for the greatest number he gets down base and things happen the other day he ended up being one of the game-winning runs I believe it was the home run somebody hit uh and then he ended up scoring for example like there's all these little situations how, how about Luis Gonzalez the other yep. night I mean that was incredible and then yep. he's playing a pretty good defensive center field too I didn't know he could do that uh can we can we take a moment and I this is not to celebrate someone's lack of success But it had to make you, as a Giants fan, feel a certain way to see that home run from Luis Gonzalez come off a off a Trevor Gott. I I I felt I I was like, oh gosh. But for me, it's sort of like it erased the stench of what happened the pandemic year when it was like Anaheim three three games in a row. Mm -hmm. The A's followed by the A's followed by now Giant Tommy Listella in Anaheim. That was a stretch that I wish on no one. And and it's kind of what Trevor got is remembered for yes. by Giants fans. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm sure he's not happy about it. But in a way, this spun this around to be sort of a uh, – that was at least a positive moment for Giants fans in the struggles of Trevor Gott, who, by the way, is actually pitching really well this year. I think Tommy LaStella hit one of the game winners off him, too, when he, he was an angel down in, in Southern California. I call Trevor Gott the remote control because I broke the remote control after the third straight day. I said, I cannot believe they've gone to this guy. And then after it happened, I flung the remote control, the Xfinity controller across the room and shattered it. My wife said, yeah, you're a giant baby. This is not that serious. <laughs> that should have been the name of this podcast. Giant babies. <laughs> totally. I, I, I mean, um, it's funny. Cause I'll never forget. I was in Tahoe oh. for, for the Trevor got meltdown weekend. And so one way it was good, I wasn't watching the games, but I was fishing <laughs> with my son, watching GameCast on my phone. Oh. And, and you're just looking at it. It's like when it updates like that, you know, three-run bomb here and this, that, you're like, no. Like, no, yeah, not is. again. I'm over, you're, I was looking at my phone. I didn't, I didn't want to throw it like your remote. I was like, something's wrong with the phone. Like, this, there's no chance this is happening again. Oh, poor um, guy. So there you go. That reverses our, our Trevor got nightmares. Um, all right, let's let's go back though to the idea of regression. Yeah, I who's do think it's fair right now individually. Yeah, you know, you mentioned rough. Who's worrying you with regard to the the possibility of regression this year? 
Well, I think it's fair to be critical of the older guys, whether it's Ruff, whose body of work is nowhere near the other two that I'm going to reference, but Belt and Crawford. Like, you just look at the raw data from last year. They were so efficient, and they were so good on both ends, both offensively and defensively. I think it's just fair to say, hey, as you get older, you're not going to sustain this certain level of excellence, especially when you had kind of trending downward years in years prior. Hey, was this just a, a random outlier? The Darren Ruff thing, I think, is a little... It's a little more alarming for me just because he doesn't have the track record that Belton Crawford have in the bigs. You know, he was in Japan and and they were expecting a lot from him as the DH. And, and I just don't know if there's a substitute for that right-handed power that they need from Darren Ruff right now. And so that's why I'm really worried about him specifically. What about you, Mark? Well, the, the thing to also remember about Darren Ruff, they're asking him to do something that is not what they originally asked him to come in and do. We talk about this stretch of right-handed pitching that they've been facing that's put Jock Peterson in the lineup every night, and now they're forced to do things in ways they don't want to do it because here comes this stretch of right-handed pitching, yeah. and they've got no Lamont Wade, and yeah. then all of a sudden, now Mike Yastrzemski gets COVID, and now Jock Peterson uh, gets a groin injury. Uh, we don't have too many details on how long he's going to be out it didn't sound like Gabe Kapler was overly concerned yeah. um, about something long-term, but it does sound to me like maybe a few games, like I wouldn't be surprised if he misses the series against Washington over the weekend. You hope he's back for LA Tuesday. I, my gosh, give me a Jock Peterson home run at Dodger stadium oh, next week in a Giants uniform. I would love that. But Darren Ruff is being asked to hit, a long stretch of right-handed yeah. pitching, which is not what his calling card was. He was supposed to come in, crush lefties. Now, he did a great job against right-handers last year, but now he's being asked to do it for a long stretch of time, and he's having a hard time. So, yeah, I, all eyes are on him. I, I don't want to, just because he got put on the injured list, leave Anthony DiSclefani out of this conversation. It's a good point. I didn't even but, think of him. Yeah, this is the one who really concerns me because yeah. it didn't look great in his first two starts. I don't know how hurt he actually is or if they just want him to to work things out yeah. a little bit. But you signed him for three years. And so this could be potentially one of the first actual like damaging signings of the of the Farhan Zaidi era for sure. Uh, not a big enough sample by any stretch to say that yet. And the Giants have the depth to handle it. Could Jacob Junis take some starts? Um, Carlos Martinez, Matthew Boyd, as the season goes on, could they make some starts? I think they've got the roster to handle it, but that right now, that's that's still a signing and and you know an output that concerns yeah. me. It's an interesting point about you know Darren Ruff getting put in there in situations that he probably wouldn't be asked to. I mean, you didn't even mention Duggar with the oblique. I mean, he's another yeah. left-handed bat another that one. not that he's a power bat, but he's just a guy that would get a lot of those kind of looks in situations like that in center field. So, like, my question is, do you think that maybe? Do you think maybe they look to the minors for a jolt here? And it's not just Lamont coming off the, the injury list. I think Evan Longoria is another guy. Maybe he's a DH candidate to maybe – or someone who could put at third base and Wilmer's the DH candidate to give Ruff some time off or something like that. But what about Ramos coming up and being a jolt in mid-May? Because I, I do think we're going to get another look at him. Not that he's going to – 
you know, take away that production in the DH hole, just a jolt of energy to the lineup that we're not accounting for when we're talking about all this regression. What about some random output from somebody that we didn't really know if he was going to contribute this year or not? Yeah, no, I I think Ramos is definitely going to be back uh, at least another time or two and potentially get himself to a spot where, where he's up and he stays. You also got to remember, though, uh, pretty quick here over the next week, these roster sizes are going to dis- decrease. And so some of these names who are up and it's easy to keep them around right now are going to have to go back down. You know, like I, I was uh, intrigued by a guy like Luke Williams uh, coming up and he had yeah. a couple, couple really interesting games. He he's versatile. He can play in the outfield. He can play third base. They haven't needed him much. They haven't used him much again, because I think of this just long stretch of right-handed pitching they're dying for left-handed bats right now. You mentioned it. Duggar, Yaz, he should be back soon. Jock, hopefully he's not out too long. Wade's not back yet. That's going to give them all kinds of flexibility they don't have right now. But until then, man, just keep rooting for Vossler and Gonzalez to hit because th- those guys right now are going to get <laughs> so many at-bats because they're the only left-handed sticks they've got. Exactly. uh, Today, I believe the Red Sox ended up claiming uh, Jalen Davis, who was a guy that they had, you know, I just wanted to see where he was at. He was kind of a 4A guy, you know, the Mac Williamson types where couldn't stick in in the majors, but was too good for the minors. So that's a guy you got to kind of cross off the list. One one more question we're here on, on regression. Any worry for you, Mark, about Logan Webb or maybe Alex Wood? Because the team record when those guys pitch has been outstanding. I'm not worried, but I can understand if someone thinks like those guys were so spectacular the last year, year and a half, it's hard for them to sustain that level of excellence. I I don't have really many concerns about them at all. I I think Logan's fine. He had a bad outing uh, Mm -hmm. in, in New York. The Washington outing was fine. You know, he gave up one swing of the stick that didn't look great on the ERA. Um, but but they were in control of that game the whole way. I, I think Logan is still coming into his own, still getting better. And if you listen to any catcher talk about catching Logan Webb, uh, you, you get excited because they're talking about these are not good pitchers. These are elite pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the breaking stuff that he has is so well masked and, and so well delivered. I think he's going to be great. My only concern about Alex Wood is when you get to the fifth inning. He looks (laughs) like he is a dominating pitcher for four innings. And then right around that fifth or sixth, he just has a tendency to hit a wall sometimes. And I know he gets frustrated when he gets pulled in those moments, but I always hold my breath a little bit. seems like the other team's always got zero or one going into the fifth. Sometimes they still do. And then sometimes they got four uh, when you, when, when, you know, when you go into the fifth. So, but no, I, I think those guys, alongside Rodon, you know, look like look like stabilizers and and the top three starters on the team right now. And you know what's interesting about this whole regression conversation? Just baseball in general. Forget Farhan, because I'll drill down on him in a second. You you sometimes have weird years as a pitcher or as a hitter where it just it doesn't go your way. We we've all played the game. Hit a line drive, you don't even get out of the batter's box. You know what I mean? You execute a great pitch and Vladdy Jr. still hits it over the right field fence. You know, Oppo Taco. And then random guys come out of nowhere and have magical seasons. It just, it's random how that happens. Donovan Solano, who we referenced in 2020, a Farhan find. Last year, Lamont Wade Jr. out of nowhere. Like, are you kidding me? 
Who could that guy be this year? Is it Luis Gonzalez? Is it someone who's not on the roster right now? Is it someone else? Like when we talk regression, we never want to talk about the outlier, unbelievable seasons or contributions. And I still think the Giants, they're good at finding those guys is where I'm going, I guess, with that. Absolutely. And I think Tyro Estrada is another one. And, and even just the stability that he is providing so far. Um, before the year, I might have said Luke Williams. But yeah, mm-hmm. so far, Luis Gonzalez looks like that guy. But I, I, I caution you there because, you know, again, Luis is up right now because Wade is not, because yeah. Yaz is on the COVID list, uh, because Duggar is out. So maybe he'll stick because Duggar's going to miss a while. Um, but but I, I like the way he plays. I mean, he's very, very good defensively. Had a funky catch out in right field there. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, against the A's there. But, um, but he, you know, I like him defensively. Um, he looks like a grinder. He swings a good stick. He's quick. Yeah. I, I mean, he, yeah, he's definitely a guy who I, I, I could see having a pretty significant role for the team this year. Um, all right, before we get into kind of our top storylines, and man, there are a lot in the NL West, and we're going to kind of look at the division as a whole and see how the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres are shaping up. We want to let you know that you are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Make sure you are subscribed and you share the podcast with your friends as well. All right, NL West, it's a small sample, but it's looking every bit like the division we expected it to be. First of all, Giants, Dodgers, Padres, all right up there at the top, all separated by a game right now. Rockies, they're kind of normalizing. Diamondbacks, last place that's exactly what we expected the question is when you're playing this well when you're 13 and 6 and you're second in the national league in runs and you're second in the national league in giving up runs and these other two teams are sitting right there like you have not been able to shake them at all specifically the dodgers you know for me a question is going to be um can the giants hold off a team that appears like they're just going to be putting that pressure on you every single day. It's like you can win two-thirds of your games and, and, and you look back and they're standing right next to you. Like, can you do it again? And every month last year, they did it. Can they do it every month again this year? You know, it's it's an interesting question. And, and Mark, like, I don't know how much you want to push your team in this era where now more teams are going to make the playoffs. Do you maybe take your foot off the gas a little just to, to kind of have the big picture point of view? Like, is it really worth it to chase that NL West banner at the detriment of some of your arms, at the detriment of some of your older players? I don't know the answer to that. I will say this. I just look at the Padres and the Dodgers, and I'm fearful of a couple things. First, the resurgence of Bellinger. That's number one. I'm, I'm fearful he's going to come back to being the all-world player that he was a couple of seasons ago. Their pitching is outstanding. There's just no other way around it. Kershaw's having a great year. The Walker Bueller's a stud. And then I look at the Padres, and I'm like, wow, they're doing this without Tatis. I'm a little worried here. Like, I'm a little worried because we know how spectacular he is. But he is a little different in terms of how he kind of meshes with that dugout. So maybe maybe they don't want him back right now. I don't know. I don't well, know. I mean, come on. He, you know, like, he he's going to give him a jolt. But also, to me, the Padres, even though they're right behind and they are in third place, but they're yeah. only a game, they're right a there. game behind. I do think just in watching these teams – the Padres again to me look like the third best team. Okay. Um, their their pitching staff 
has not been up to the standard of the mm-hmm. Giants and the Dodgers. By the way, ERA, Team ERA, Dodgers, number one in baseball, 2-2-1. Two, mm. two, Giants, number two in baseball, 2-3-2. Two, two. Both teams have been unbelievable. We talked last time about how many home runs the Giants have allowed. They've only allowed 10 all year. That's Dodgers crazy. have only allowed 11. It's absolutely incredible um, the way these two teams are pitching, and I think that's going to bear itself out over time. Keep this – Eric Hosmer's hit like 420. That's okay? not sustainable. And he's driving the bus right now, and that's just not going to happen. They were dying to get that guy yep. the hell out of town mm-hmm. to start the year. They tried like crazy to do a creative trade and get rid of him. Couldn't do it. And now here he is leading the team uh, to a 12 and seven record to start off. I don't trust their bullpen either. And I think that as we get to more of the dog days, the meat of the season, it's about, you know, 16 through 25. It's talking about that bullpen, some of your position players coming off the bench. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the Padres. I just, I'm infatuated with Machado. The dude's such a stud. I love him. I got him in fantasy. So I watch with a keen eye. Well, I, I mean, know, this, I'm that is guy. Still, this is the dynamic that I think is um is hard for some people and sort of why we still look at the giants and go okay we're now willing to admit they're good but go ahead and explain to me why because we do get enamored with a machado uh wooed by a tatis overwhelmed by the lineup the dodgers produce Mm -hmm. and then you look at the giants and you go okay Where's the comp to all of that? And that's what Giants fans have been yelling about. Where's our star? Where's our Where's our guy who's got the swagger out on the field that the whole league wants to look at? And the answer is they don't have one. What they have is the better record. And, 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 and it's just, it has got to be for so many teams and fans, one of the great mysteries of baseball over the last now year plus. I mean, The A's loss on Wednesday night uh, tosses this stat aside, but when they beat the A's on Tuesday night, Mm -hmm. that wrapped 180 games exactly if you put together last year and this Mm -hmm. year, 180 games with a full-fledged Farhan and Gabe attack. And in those 180 games, the Giants have won 120 of them. I mean, that's exactly insane. two out of every three. That's insane. And, and, and the world is going, how, what? how, who, what, why, whatever question. I still think even the, the, the closest Giants fans have a hard time explaining it to their friend at the bar. Do you think it's because of Giants fans before World Series is being conditioned to great lineups and minimal pitching? Like that's in my entire life before they won a world series, it was look at our lineup. If only we could piecemeal some pitching, we might have an ACE here, but you know, two through five, not looking so hot. And if we could just get to the closer, maybe we'll win this one. I look at pitching in just my estimation. It's the great equalizer. You could have the greatest murderers role of all time. Give me the ACE. Give me Pedro Martinez in his prime. Now they don't have him, but Logan Webb's pretty damn special. I mean, he's pretty damn special. Just look at the National League. Look where he stacks up over his last 30 starts. He's right there with all of them. Carlos Rodon? I mean, I think he's right there in that same kind of tier. And so the equalizer is pitching. And then I look at their bullpen top to bottom, which we were enamored with in the first segment. 
I mean, to me, that's their blueprint. And then you play solid defense. You don't have to be outstanding, but solid defense, yep. situational hitting can get you by, especially during the regular season. So that to me is the elixir. I don't understand it nine times out of 10, even though they're going with the Junises and this guy, Leone, coming in to start a game or whatever. But it works and their philosophy works. And it's hard to argue with. Well, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, the Giants are mistake highlighters is what they are. <laughs> it's um, and, and it's almost like an instigator, if you will, because we already, we've already gone over all the unwritten rules stuff where they've annoyed the rest of the league. And I think they annoy the rest of the league this way too, although you can't be mad at them for it. If you make a mistake, the Giants are there with their highlighter pen. Yeah, They're like, see that mistake you just made? Okay, we're going to go ahead and take advantage of it. Did you shift at the wrong time? Fun. Okay, did you, did, did you make one error? The A's, how many... How many games yeah. in a row have the A's made an error? I think it was up to about 10, 11, 12. Uh, you're right. The Giants have said, uh, you know, with Wilmer at third base or, hell, Wilmer on the field at all, Solano last year, we're not going to prioritize being elite defensively, mm -hmm. but uh, we're going to be good enough and we're going to try to avoid the mistake. The game they're playing, again, not flashy. We think we can be smarter than you. We think we can make fewer mistakes than you and as soon as you do they're going to be there to pounce um and, and and that's the game they're playing in in many ways and and so that's why i think when uh when you watch this team play it it's sort of like you especially if you're doing it on tv or even if you're going to the yard you watch them play and it's just not that obvious what it is that's going on it's just that you look up at the scoreboard at the end and you go how did they just win that three to two again? It's why they feel lucky. They're not, but they feel to other people lucky because it's like, how do you, Yeah. how do you squeeze out every close game or so many of them? That is, let me give you a couple of cross sport comps where I feel like they're reaching this zone for me. And it's crazy because those other comps I'm going to give you had superstars, right? And then everything kind of flowed off the superstars. New England Patriots, San Antonio Spurs. There's a benefit of the doubt we give to those random players on those teams during those eras. Like, oh, well, of course that guy who's super random is going to make that play. He's a Patriot. Of course this random backup power forward is going to contribute on the Spurs. That's what Popovich does. And what's crazy is they had Duncan and Ginobili and Parker. And, and so it, it started there, but all their random guys always seemed to be developed and hit and they'd be just randoms. Same thing with new England. And they had Tom Brady. What's the outlier for the giants is they don't really have a Brady or a Duncan. Like I love Brandon belt and, and Crawford. They're not in the pantheon of those other players yet. All these random guys come in Junis, who we've been talking about and boom contributor. And I'm like, well, of course he's a contributor because they have literally figured out how he can be his maximized self. And it's working because he's bought in. And I just think they've entered that realm for me where there are certain sports teams that defy common theory. And that's where they're at, where guys are going to be their best version of themselves. Even if they're a marginal player, like it's yeah. crazy how they're squeezing the lemon. I think what you're saying is like strength in culture. You know, yes. I mean, the, the slogan for the or for the Warriors it. is strength in numbers, which sometimes, by the way, makes me laugh a little bit because it's like, sure, strength in numbers, but it's actually strength in Stephen Clay and Draymond. Yeah. Like you've got <laughs> you've got Hall of Famers. It's not that you have all these, you know, a bunch of players. But so maybe the Giants are more the strength in numbers or strength in culture yes. because yeah, New England did have Tom Brady. 
However, who were their other superstars or were they exactly kind of made, they were made because of of Tom Brady and people will go, well, what about Gronk? Well, when was Gronk ever a star without Tom Brady? Right. So like, I don't I don't know that he would be that if he didn't have Tom Brady around him. Same with the guys you brought up, Duncan, uh, you know, Kawhi. Actually, though, as much as I love that, it does lead to one sort of long term and I won't call it a concern. I'll call it a mm. question. If everybody with the Giants is seemingly going to consistently be on one or two year contracts, you already saw Buster walk out the door and he's done someday within the next couple of years. The Brandons are going to be done, too. Mm -hmm. And if you want to strengthen culture, well, then you're going to need to have your leaders. You're going to need to have your people who set that tone in the clubhouse. Who's that going to be if nobody's on? a four-year deal or no one's been in that clubhouse yeah. for four five, six years. If the Brandons go at some point, who's that person who, who, who you go to and you're like, this is his locker room and he sets the tone for the rest of us. I, I think it's a really fair point. And what I would counter with is it's Farhan and Gabe for now building an infrastructure of cerebral intelligence, self-awareness. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that when I look at San Antonio and New England, the thing that they share is intelligence, sports intelligence. You know what I'm saying? Like IQ and then the humility. If you put together that infrastructure, we're waiting for all of these far Farhan draft picks to come through. They really haven't surrendered any of them in any of the trades. They've been very, very discerning. And so you're hoping that that infrastructure is in place so that when a Luciano comes up, he kind of just gets absorbed by what you have already, and then he can grow and get to his own voice. At least that's what my hope is. Maybe there's a trade down the line. Maybe they speed this thing up with some sort of a trade, Mark. Like, but right now, the thing I'm looking at is I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the, the Matoses and, and the Sean Jellies and all these different guys I've been hearing about. And I'm hoping there's enough infrastructure in place with this coaching staff and maybe a pillar or two, one of the Brandons, so that those guys can come in and then eventually take that mantle. Well, and maybe it does have to be the homegrown guys because basically what we're saying is if you're not going to sign anybody to a five-plus-year contract, then the only people who are going to be on the team for that long are the guys who come up through your system and go through the arbitration process. Like Logan Webb maybe can be one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, Joey Bart, I, I don't know based on the way he's playing, but, you know, like he, in theory, is going to be there if they want him mm -hmm. for another four or five years through the arbitration process. Um, could Ramos be that one day? Could a Hunter Bishop, could a Marco Luciano be that one day? Because when they get there, they're going to be under team control for a long time. So, Maybe it has to be that way instead of thinking about doing it on the free agent market, which in theory is how Buster and Brandon and Brandon did it. Once upon a time, they were yeah. those homegrown guys under arbitration. But where the, I think where the prior regime got into trouble was reckless contracts in free agency year after year. You know, the Denard Spans, the Mark Melansons, the Samarjas, yep. the Quatos. You, you can't pile those up, right? I'm with you. At some point, they're going to have to spend on someone or trade for someone who's under team control and extend that guy. That's going to have to happen at some point. But, like, to me, I just go back to the culture of Farhan and Gabe Kapler and then this coaching staff. I just have a lot of faith in the market. Maybe I'm blind. Maybe I'm just being a, a loyalist at this point, but it's hard to knock these guys when every dude comes up and is the best version of themselves. All right, man. Uh, we're going to be back on Sunday with another episode. 
We'll take a look at what happened over the weekend with the Washington Nationals. And you also know we'll be getting ready. Yeah. Giants and Dodgers round one in 2022 version as that series is coming up Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Uh, great stuff for Joe Shasky. I'm Mark Willard. This has been the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Make sure you are subscribed so you do not miss any episodes.